Hi, I'm Marina Sirtis, and you're going boldly with Beyond Trek Podcast. This is Beyond Trek Podcast, your source for Star Trek on social media and around the web. I'm Big J. I'm Watney. And I'm Dag, the Trivia Master. You can find us on Facebook at Beyond Trek Podcast and on Twitter at Beyond Trek Pod. Hey, everybody, this is Dag from Beyond Trek Podcast. And today we have a special guest, Tay Phoenix, here to talk to us today about Trek the Vote. Tay, it's nice to have you out here. It's really good to be here. Thank you for having me, Dag. Um, my name is Tay Phoenix, and I am a singer, songwriter, and activist, and Trekkie. And I use art and media and storytelling to bring people into the political and activist process. Um, and that is why we're here today. Wow, that is a whole lot there. Um, I love that you are applying art in all those forms to the you know, activism. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Star Trek. Um, okay. Tell me, tell me you know, where did your Trekkiness begin and, and did you get yourself into that or was that uh, inspired by others? Well, I had I had a nanny growing up who um, had been into the original series, and so you know she would watch uh, the Next Generation. Um, what you know, I think probably when I was in bed, uh, and I would kind of I guess probably sneak and watch some of it. And like I didn't, I was really little. I was probably you know, I mean I, I was I was four when TNG came on. Um, so you know, like four, five, six years old, and I would. Um, I mean, I really didn't understand what was going on, but I did know that they were having an adventure in space. And that was kind of enough um, for me to be like, this is the coolest thing ever, and just to be immediately obsessed. And that sort of, um, it just, I guess it crystallized uh, in middle school and high school with Star Trek Voyager and then to a lesser extent Deep Space Nine at the time, although now I consider DS9 to be the high watermark in terms of storytelling for Star Trek. Um, but uh, but yeah, DS9 and Voyager are sort of my like home series, I guess you could say. And I mean, it, it, it was, uh, I'm a really sensitive uh, creature and I tend to pick up on other people's suffering and um, and this world that we live in is rife with it. Um, and like suffering is part of the human condition, but I think we cause a lot of really unnecessary suffering with some of the ways that we choose to set up our systems and perpetuate old systems. And uh, that stuff got to me. And it, I mean, it continues to get to me, but as a kid, I'd like, I didn't have any filters for it. It just, it just kind of demolished me inside and there was something about a world where like somebody could be on the bridge and they could like see something weird or like sense a presence and turn to the captain and be like, sir, I'm disoriented. And the captain would say, well, you better get yourself to sick bay. You know, like there was just that compassion. It wasn't like, well, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, son. You know, there was like a, there was a respect for each other's just basic, I don't want to say humanity because like the Vulcans and the Romulans would object to that, especially the Romulans. Romulans, no, it was the Klingons. Klingons did not like that. That was in um, Undiscovered Country, right? Mm -hmm. 
where like someone says we believe in human rights and they're like you're so human centric it's like <laughs> but like they believed in in their basic like right as a living sentient being to be treated with respect and fairness and like that spoke to me so deeply and it was totally my escape and so when i was a kid i used to imagine this was just how i would get through a day that i was a starfleet officer and i had been trapped on this like pre-warp planet with all of these what did um uh, someone on voyager called it post-industrial barbarians and I was just waiting for the beam out. <laughs> I was just, you know, I was just gonna, I had to comport myself like a Starfleet officer until my ship showed up and beamed me up. And that that's how I basically survived, you know, being a kid in a, in a world that did not make a ton of sense to me, both as, um, as somebody who is sensitive and also not as an autistic person where like, especially as an undiagnosed autistic female presenting person, just, you know, did not understand what was happening around me, but could relate to Star Trek. Yeah, I relate so much to what you just said there. I, I remember being in uh, the beginning of high school. So like I was, I, I got into TNG around the time that Picard became Locutus because my mom was a mega fan. And so mm. started me, started me on the drip early. Um, TNG, DS9, and Voyager were my entire adolescence and young adulthood. Um, it has resonated so strongly with me. Here we are 20 years later, and you know, I do the podcast and the TikTok Starfleeters tag, and um, it's it just stuck with me. And I remember being in, in high school and just being like, I'm going to be a Vulcan today. And every response that everybody got from me, whether it was a teacher or a classmate or a mm -hmm. friend, was just this stoic, uh, techno babbly sort of aloof <laughs> reply. Um, and me and my friend, we just we we ended up just doing that for like a week before I started realizing that people didn't want to hang out with me anymore, and my need <laughs> for social contact outweighed the need for me to uh, continue with my Vulcan. my distinction. Um, but. Yeah, I I definitely feel like a lot of the groundwork for my morals and ethics today was laid by the way that they were practiced and treated and sort of even like introspected in, in mm -hmm. Star Trek um, and the way that oh, some yeah. of the characters could look at themselves and go, hey, I did have this belief before, but now I have this belief now and it gave me permission to say it's okay to learn and grow and maybe be wrong and mm -hmm. to explore the universe that is this planet because that's where we're confined to right now yeah um, but I, I still when I go on hikes I will have a comm badge in one of my pockets and yeah I'm waiting for my beam out too so <laughs> yeah. yeah okay I've got mine right here with me <sighs> ah that's awesome yeah I've got a desk full of tribbles and <laughs> eagle moss models and I've got my little Riker pop vinyl um, so what were you, did you feel like you were, a, as a youth, a burgeoning activist outside of Star Trek and those two things came together or did Star Trek influence your activism? Um, probably both. Uh, that's, let's see. I mean, uh, my, I, I would say that my, my politics 
it's taken a little time for my politics to catch up with my fandom. Um, and that's partly because I grew up really, really privileged. And so it took me many years to get to a place where I actually had some ability to see the undiscovered country um, of, of privilege in my, in myself. Um, and what that was, what the, how, you know, how that had caused me to live and how that had caused me to think about myself and other people and what I had a right to and all of those things. Um, you know, I mean, I could be a right Karen to be perfectly honest with you, um, for a long time. And it took me, um, it took me falling down the rabbit hole of intersectional feminism on Twitter and actually like really starting to listen to what black women had to say about their lived experiences that got me to a place of like being, I think a really impactful activist. But as a kid, I was certainly engaged. I mean, I, you know, I remember being, must've been 11 and um, my friends and I set up a lemonade stand on the Burke Gilman trail on a really hot day in July and raised money for Bill Clinton and Al Gore's campaign. We raised like a hundred dollars, which was, you know, that wasn't chump change at the time. And we were so proud, you know, and my dad took all our little nickels and pennies and put them in a jar and then wrote a check and sent it to the, to the Clinton campaign. Um, you know, and it was like, whatever, we're campaigning for a centrist triangulating Democrat, but like, we understood that we could play a role in politics. And that, that was, that was definitely a piece of it. Um, but in terms of where Trek I think in my activism caught up, it was really with Trek the Vote, um, which is the, the initiative that um, we're here to talk about. And uh, so I'll, I'll set the stage for you in terms of, of what it is, and then I'll talk about how I came up with it, um, if, that's, if that works for you. I'm here for it. Great. So Trek the Vote is a all-volunteer, nonpartisan, clearinghouse it's trek themed and the idea is that we bring star trek fans in and then we help match them with the right election integrity volunteer opportunities for them so we have four partners um, one is fair count which is looking specifically at voting rights across the south and southwest we've got election protection which does a lot of legal resources and monitoring for voter intimidation across the country and then we've got two organizations Power the Polls and Poll Hero Project, who are recruiting people to be poll workers, and we have a serious shortage of poll workers this year. Um, we are we're in really hot water in that domain because most poll workers are in their 60s and 70s, and that is the group that is most likely to be badly impacted by COVID-19. And so we have to find new poll workers, or polling places will be closed or understaffed, and that's going to lead to long lines and fewer people casting their ballots. Um, so we, we're trying to meet all of this sort of need for, for these nonpartisan but essential functions to make our democracy run smoothly. Um, and we're, we're trying to do that with Star Trek fans um, because Star Trek fans are diligent and scrupulous and we care about the future and that makes us ideal volunteers for these kinds of positions. So, um, and the way that I came up with this was I was talking with a friend of mine um, and we were sort of lamenting 
the the state of things in terms of voter suppression and voter intimidation and um, the degree to which uh, you know certain groups of voters were going to be attacked um, at the at multiple levels to be prevented from voting and I, I just said God I wish Starfleet could just beam down and like fix this and then I thought hey wait a minute we don't have to wait for Starfleet we can be Starfleet like it's like stop waiting for the beam out beam yourself out um, and that's kind of how Trek the Vote was born. And so I started with this idea of like, let's get Trekkies to the polls to do something. And then I started talking to friends of mine who who ran these different initiatives because I am an activist and because I do know a lot of people in this field and was able to come up with a working plan and then started enrolling people. And we were building, you know, before I knew it, we were creating a website and developing a, you know, this smart form that people fill out um, where they answer some basic questions about when they're available, where they'd like to work, how old they are, you know, and then we ask them what rank they are just for fun. And then they get a mission briefing in the email and in, in, in the email, they get a mission briefing over email. Um, and uh, that, um, you know, that, that gives them a sort of a list of here are the volunteer opportunities we think are going to be best for you based on what you've told us about yourself. And you can go and register with any of them. And we've just gotten such a great response. Um, we have, I think, as of today, uh, almost a thousand signups. And um, it's been just really lovely to see people tweeting and saying, I'm, you know, I'm wearing my Starfleet uniform and I'm on my way to my training to be a poll worker. Um, and just, you know, we so we really want to get the word out. We want people to sign up. Um, we need, you know, we need every kind of, of volunteer imaginable, including things that you can do from the comfort of your own home if you don't want to, you know, get out there and be part of, um, of a, a crowd of people, which is totally understandable at this time. Um, and there's more opportunities coming soon. We've got more partners that we're getting ready to onboard. That's really awesome. I'm so fascinated by this whole movement. And if I remember correctly, you you said that this really just came to fruition in the last couple of months. Yeah, I I came up with the idea about a month ago, a little more than a month ago, and just decided like I had been super involved in a lot of the protests that were happening here in Seattle and some things were shifting and I wasn't sure what was next here. And I, you know, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to shift gears for a minute. I'm going to run at this as hard as I can. And I mean, I have been working 12 to 18 hours a day on this nonstop for a month. Um, and Incredible. It's just a lot. And I, and there's been other, you know, volunteers, my no, most notably my dear friend, Ethan Truskenzaler, who has been, uh, our, you know, one of our chief engineers on this project who, you know, this is not his area of expertise in terms of technology, but he just jumped in and did it. He made the form work. He figured it out step by step. And, and it was an absolute marvel to watch him do that. Um, and, you know, so like, we, and we, we've had, you know, people volunteering on the press side. We've had, like, this is all volunteer. We are literally a 100% volunteer shop which is just, um, it's so cool to get to be a part of that. And how many people make up this volunteer shop? Well, including the actors, we have, um, I think there's 
21 people who have been involved in a part or full-time capacity over the last month and then um you know 15 or 20 others who have done like very specific tasks i'm just i'm still kind of just blown away this is so cool i it's just been so neat <laughs> i yeah i had such when i first came across this on twitter and i saw that you had uh you know uh, John Billingsley and and Gates McFadden being yeah. a part of that. I was just so wowed. I knew immediately that I had to be a part of it. Um, and John so, yeah. is just, they're both ever so dear. Like, that's oh, the yeah. other thing is like when you, you know, they say don't meet your heroes. Having, you know, like Gates McFadden is such a lovely human being. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> like, she is. And, you know, same for John Billingsley. Um, you know, Chase Masterson, what an absolute darling person. Like, they're just, and that's so cool. It's like these people that I have looked up to and respected my entire life, and I'm getting a chance to interact with them and work with them, and they're as cool as I'd hoped they'd be. And that is just a lovely thing to learn about about the people that you have cared for in this way. I'm so happy that you've had that experience with them i i i'm a little envious but i also i'm just like that is so cool um what a wonderful uh, you know fulfillment of not just like oh these are characters that were on a screen that kind of influenced me to be a decent human being but also the people who played them believed in it and they live it mm -hmm. yep yep so that is yeah it really is it's really quite lovely you mentioned that you've been an activist for quite some time before that activism fused with Star Trek to create Trek the Boat. Were there any notable um, instances in the past um, where this this passion really surged? Um, with respect to activism? Yeah. Oh my God, so many. So I think, you know, it was, it was right around like 2012, 2013, that I went from sort of my understanding of feminism as being primarily about white, upper-class career women to understanding that there was a lot more to it and, and getting, you know, getting sort of steeped in an understanding of, of intersections of oppression. And so that, you know, it took a while for me to figure out what I wanted to do with that, but I left a, a corporate career um, around that time uh, and decided I wanted to do something that felt a little bit more meaningful to me and it's it's when I kind of dove more into my music um, and it's also when I started to dive more into um, being an activist and you know prior to this current uh, presidential situation uh, I you know my activism would look like um, you know, trying to make sure that the security guards at a particular shopping mall were not lethally armed because there's no reason for a rent-a-cop to have a gun. Um, you know, there's no, re let's be clear, I don't think that most cops should have guns, hmm. um, but that's, that's a, a different conversation. Um, but I, you know, it, it was that, that kind of stuff. Um, or, you know, um, working you know just kind of doing mutual, like local mutual aid stuff um you know making sure that people were fed um that kind of thing 
Um, but that it, in some cases that almost went into charity, which is not the same as mutual aid. And like, I'm starting to understand more about that too. Like you want to actually be part of the community, not just writing checks. Right. Um, and so that, you know, that's been an evolving thing. And then, you know, when it's interesting, you know, I'll, I'll let me back up and just say this before I go into my, my activist journey. So track the vote is a nonpartisan initiative which means that we are there to ensure that everybody can vote regardless of who they are voting for. Every voice is important and people have a right to cast a vote for who they want to cast a vote for, even if I think that they are being, I personally think that they are being really stupid with that vote, right? That's, that is their right as an American. And I believe in that. Right, the value um, of democracy is the freedom to disagree. Exactly. Um, well, and, 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 and I would, you know, also in, you know, ensure that like, it's not, it's really hard because in this case, disagreeing, if you are somebody who's still voting for Donald Trump, it's not just a political disagreement. This is a disagreement about the value of human life at this point. Um, and, and yet the value of democracy is about everybody having the opportunity to vote. And I'm not going to, I would never want to do anything to squelch any person's ability to cast their ballot. I would in fact want to make sure that everybody who is eligible to vote is able to do so easily and safely regardless of who they're going to vote for. My personal orientation is extremely lefty and I won't pretend or hide that. Um, but you know, so I'm, I'm running a nonpartisan initiative and I'm doing it as somebody who is extremely lefty and, and that is a tricky balancing act. And I'm just acknowledging that because to not acknowledge it, I think would be somewhat disingenuous. Um, I can appreciate that. And I can definitely understand the, the balance that you have to forge in order mm -hmm. to advocate the way that Trek the Vote does and mm -hmm. still maintain a very strong personal passion for the way things ought to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's, so my, my activism, once um, the current president, you know, took power, became about countering the, the things about his administration that I knew were, you know, morally wrong. And that comes from my Jewish upbringing, right? You know, he came down those that escalator the day he announced his candidacy and started, you know, calling whole groups of people rapists and, um, and, you know, and, and then in saying, oh, and some of them are very fine people, but, you know, making that sound like it's the exception. It's just, he's very, um, he's very good at offering enough plausible deniability, but at the end of the day, you know, the, the guy's a, a fascist xenophobe and he's, you know, ginning up xenophobia in this very dangerous way. And as a Jew, I know exactly where that goes. Um, I have a deep and abiding ancestral memory about where that goes. And um, so, you know, my, my pledge to, you know, to my myself when I was, you know, right around that same age that I was getting into Star Trek, maybe a little bit older was like, Nazis will not come to power on my watch. And I am, I'm still trying to live that pledge. Um, and that is, you know, that's a, it's a, it's a, it's a Jewish pledge and it's a Star Trek pledge and it's where my Judaism and my Trekkieism meet. Um, I fully can respect that. Thank um, you. If I, if I can share a little bit of my Thanks. own um, activism, 
um, there are members of my family who are gay who feel personally threatened uh, with their lives uh, during this administration. You know, they're talking about they want to they want to uh, emigrate to other places where it's safer for gay people to be out and aware. And so my activism um, was inspired by my aunts in the early 90s and, you know, going to uh, pride, going to rallies, um, even doing some art design for um, some organizations in California Central Valley uh, to promote their efforts. And um, it really has just been, you know, an offshoot of that that has made me really try and dig deep into the experiences of people who aren't a, a, a me, a, a cisgender white male, you know, the, you know, I could be one of the stereotypes for the red blooded American male and that would mm -hmm. be what it is. Um, but, you know, my mom was a single mother and trying to look into that world and understanding a little bit more about, you know, my own privilege in that, you know, I have, I have an Anglo sounding name. So how has mm -hmm. that benefited my job applications? And, you know, my bosses have expressed certain viewings and opinions, which made me realize why some of the candidates for the job that I have don't have that job. And, um, being aware of that is just a really strange lens to see and you know i will i will push and advocate for people to be treated as equal as possible and for you know and maybe i don't know if this is something i need to think more about is to have merit and action speak louder than words and appearances yeah i think that's um and, and, and also to have the floor, like there is, you know, I think, I think that, that we should all have the opportunity to um, rise as high as we want to in terms of what we can achieve, not in terms of what, you know, the wealth we can accumulate, but in terms of, you know, what we want to build and, and how we want to build it, as long as it's, you know, not harming other people, you know, we should, we should have the freedom to do that. But I think there's also like there's a floor of like here is the the the, the smallest amount of um, support we will ever ever allow someone to have right and that standard that like that floor is well above the level of affront to human dignity which is what we're doing right now um, with allowing so many people to be unsheltered and unfed and you know, untreated medically. I mean, there's the lack of healthcare is so egregious. I mean, this one, that's one of the reasons I'm involved with the poor people's campaign, right? Which is another nonpartisan movement. Um, it's not about Democrats or Republicans. It's not about left or right. It's about right and wrong. Yeah. And poverty is a moral evil. And we have to, we have to, we are honor bound as a society to fix it um, and to not allow people to have to live this way. You know, that really resonates with um, things that I've been thinking about very recently in terms of, you know, the minimum standards acceptable for humanity. Everybody should have food. Everybody should have a safe shelter space. Everybody should have access to healthcare um, and, and have healthcare 
uh, available and affordable and mm -hmm. provided. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a single payer healthcare. It's like one of my big things um, is, yeah, I would definitely be okay with somebody who's in a critical position and some of my tax dollars go into that person to help them out and, and elevate themselves. But I also think, you know, I have to juxtapose that with we live in a society. And I think it was uh, a former president, I, I think it was uh, Franklin Roosevelt, who said that there was a, a second bill of rights that we should enact that would guarantee these things uh, for people, that everybody would have a guaranteed right to housing, shelter, food, health care. Um, and it was all outside the scope of also a right to work. And uh, I really believe in that. And I think that's super cool that you're, you seem to be in that area working on the ground to do that for people. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, I'm, I'm one of, you know, millions of people who are involved in some facet of that. You know, I'm just, I'm just one of, one of the little worker bees trying to figure out how to do it as best I can. Um, and, and to bring the skills that I, that I have and the education that I have to the table um, to do that. Um, as, as best I can. And, and, you know, also like recognizing that I am, you know, I'm chock loaded with privilege, chock full of privilege mm -hmm. and um, that, that I have, you know, therefore a, a responsibility to, um, to use that privilege and then also know when to sit down and shut up, <laughs> which is hard right. for me because I don't sit down and shut up easily. And that's, I think more about my personality than my privilege. Oh, oh my goodness. Do you hear this? I had, there's a cat. <laughs> this is my, my oldest cat, Starbuck. Uh, named oh, what a great name for a from cat. Battlestar Galactica. She is, <laughs> she murders Cylons for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Let me tell you. That's great. Um, yeah, I love she's... hearing that. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been thinking about, um, you know, sitting down and shutting up myself in terms of like handing off my platform to others who really need their voices heard. Um, I got plenty of people advocating for me, not everybody I agree with, but you know, it, I, I definitely feel like giving people um, an opportunity to speak and, and say their piece and be heard is important in a representative democracy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it is. It is important. I mean, and it's, it's I like, I don't know. I don't think that they're, I don't think we necessarily have to stop having platforms. I just think we have to like pass the mic a lot. Yes. Right there with you. Um, for, you know, for listeners on, on of the show, um, what would you say to those listeners um, who are maybe a little less inspired to be, uh, out there and passionate. Why is activism so important for the citizens of a democracy? Oh, wow. That's a huge question. <laughs> um, I would ask them to check in with themselves about what it is that they care about most and what it is that bothers them most, because I think you have to, you have to start from an authentic place. Um, right. You know, for me, seeing someone carrying a gun in a shopping center, and and having a, a very short conversation with that individual and recognizing that he believed that the black and brown people in my neighborhood were dangerous and a problem and here's a man standing with you know with a lethal weapon in the middle of a of a group of black and brown people uh, you know that that was immediately alarming to me and i knew that i you know that 
that I couldn't stand for that. And I think you really have to check in with what's alarming to you. What can you not stand for? Um, and, and then choose to do something about it because you feel that morally it is your responsibility to do so. Um, keeping in mind that, you know, you have what the privilege that you have really do an honest, like, am I someone who is immediately impacted by this or am I somebody who's simply appalled by it, even though to some degree it offers me an advantage and understand which side of the situation you're operating from, or maybe it's more complex than that. Maybe there are some aspects of it that, uh, you know, that give you advantage and some aspects of it that oppress you. And, and then, you know, start talking to the people who are the most directly impacted by it and find out what they're up to. Um, you know, find out what they're already doing and then figure out how you can lend a hand. What, you know, what skills do you have? I mean, I've built a ton of websites for grassroots groups that are doing, uh, you know, work related to poverty or police violence because um, it's a skill set that I have and then they don't have to pay somebody to do it and um, and they're you know it frees them up to be doing other things like just figure out what skill set you have that somebody might need um, and and then use it and I think that's just the best the best way to you know start being involved and just really try to stay aware of the privilege that you bring to the table um, of what of what you know you're walking around with that you like imagine you're like a godzilla with a big tail that's dragging <laughs> around behind you all the time except it's invisible to you and every time you turn around you might smash something with it without even realizing it yeah and you have to start getting developing some awareness of that of that big godzilla tail as you're as you're walking around trying to do good things in the world and genuinely well-intentioned but like also recognizing that, you know, you have some privilege. Yeah. Um, but, but I would say, you know, if you're not, if you're at a place of like, what is this activism business? Why should I do it? Like, just do a survey of yourself. Like when you read the news, what pisses you off? What upsets you? What gets under your skin? Um, and start from that. Cause it's gotta come from an authentic place to be sustainable. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've talked to uh, a number of people with whom I'm, you know, sort of on the opposite side of their political spectrum. And I've, I've said things like, look, I understand that, you know, we are all bombarded with uh, the, the media frenzy every single day. We're getting tweets from our friends and text messages and it's on television and it's interrupting our YouTube videos and everywhere you look, there is somebody who is trying to convince or sell or persuade and all of those things have to come back to a personal value of is this thing that this person is trying to convince me of do i agree with it because so often you know with all the if you remember the buzzfeed headlines that were like you're gonna be shocked and you read it and you're not shocked at all um i don't like it when the media tells me the way i need to feel about something i want to make my judgment myself and i want to encourage others to also compare the way that the things that we participate in try to influence how we feel about it without really asking how we feel about it. Don't tell me, just Don't inform me. me. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and I think the other piece of it is we have to start getting more 
more incredulous about what we're being told in terms of our, you know, who is, who is giving us reliable factual information about things? Because that's the other piece of what we're dealing with is that there are, there are so many people who are very unfortunately caught up in a cycle of believing lies from people who have convinced them of a particular worldview that is frankly cultish. Um, and we have to get back to shared facts um, for us to have, you know, uh, a, a sane society, um, or maybe I should say not a sane society, for us to have a functional society. <laughs> um, that, you know, we have, we, we really need, um, we really need to get back to a shared set of facts. And so being able to think critically <laughs> and actually seek out what is the established scientific, historical, or personal truth to go back to Star Trek, mm -hmm. um, that, that is, that is living here. How do I find the, the reality of this? And I agree, and I think that there's another Star Trek uh, thing I can appropriate here is, um, you know, in order to really understand and and perhaps even be a better example for those who are caught up in the media frenzy and who we may not align with uh, on all the topics politically, emotionally, personally, um, we have to engage. We have to stop like seeking comfort in our echo chambers because the internet makes it so easy to just stay in your own little corner and and not ever have to talk to somebody and at the same time in that corner that i'm in the people there are telling me to to be afraid or to not ever talk to certain kinds of people and it's like well how am i ever supposed to know where their angles from how am i supposed to advocate for you know the the, the benefit of others if I'm only really listening to a couple thousand people, it's not representative of anything. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the challenge and like, I'll be perfectly transparent and say, I am, I am a, I'm an irascible person. I am someone who I get, I I'm easy, easy to piss off. I love that word. And irascible. Yeah. It's yeah. a good word. Um, and so, and I have very, very, very low tolerance for, um, people being intentionally cruel um, or people having, uh, you know, sort of in, buying into um, belief systems about certain groups of people because it fits their racism. Um, so I have had a really hard time doing what you just described. Um, yeah. I've tried. Uh, one time I tried, it resulted in me having a stalker for several months, Ooh, which boy. I mean, I don't, I'm not blaming myself for that, but like I tried to have a, a dialogue with, um, with somebody who had showed up to, uh, a rally that I was performing at and he took that as an invitation and began sending me, you know, showing up places that he knew I was scheduled to be either to speak or to perform um, you know, filming me uh, at close range without me knowing he was there. Wow. Later, later sending me those videos, um, 
you know, with a soundtrack that was like pretty threatening music. Mm-hmm. Um, just really creepy, creepy, creepy stuff. Yeah. Um, so there is, um, you know, there, there's a dangerousness to some of what's happening right now too, about, you know, how people to go back to your point about, you know, about getting caught up in the media frenzy, right. Where we have, we have to, we, ha- you know, the, there's, there's a balance to everything. Right. Um, you know, yeah, be, be willing to talk to people, but also be willing to set your boundaries because, you know, that guy just decided that like, oh, oh, she's, you know, willing to talk to me. Well, I'm going to start escalating that. Um, and that, that ended up being terrifying for me. I just did and, a really avid fist pump when you was talking about asserting boundaries. Cause that's like, that's an awesome thing. I'm, I'm a big fan of, of enthusiastic consent in all things mm-hmm. and so yeah be not being afraid to assert your boundaries and also being aware enough to recognize when a boundary is being asserted and just back off mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and super important exactly i feel so, like i could talk all day on these things man yeah <laughs> we really could that's good um, stuff we were going to talk a little bit about disambiguating our Trek the Vote from um, from the other Trek the Vote. Right. There's there's two of these now, and you pointed that out to me. So yeah. go ahead, take that away. Yeah. So so our Trek the Vote. Just to recap, um, our Trek the Vote launched on Monday, September twenty eighth, and we are a all volunteer, um, super low budget, fan led initiative recruiting star trek fans to be part of a you know a, a a group of you know starfleet officers who are working to save democracy through these different nonpartisan volunteer and temporary worker roles from being poll workers to being poll watchers to doing voter outreach to making sure that people have food and water while they're waiting in line um and uh and so we are distinct from the fundraiser the democratic fundraiser that was announced this friday i believe the second um which is also calling itself trek the vote which is um raising money for joe biden um and it you know there's a lot of of star trek actors involved with that including some some of the same star trek actors that have been involved with our trek the vote right um and so we're we're now kind of talking to campaign a little bit about how do we distinguish these from each other so that we're not stepping on each other's toes so that there's not confusion. We check the vote is a very good name, and I know that they probably came up with that totally independently of everything we were doing, and we're just as surprised as as we uh, to find that there was someone else using the name. Um, and so what we would what we'd like to do again is figure out just how do we distinguish ourselves from each other um, so that it's very clear that we are not in favor of any candidates. And, and it's just really important that people understand that we are not in, you know, in favor of any particular candidate. We are not here as Trek the vote to bias the outcome of the election in any direction at all. It is simply about ensuring that every single eligible American is able to cast a ballot safely and easily and that every single one of those ballots is counted before any results are certified or announced and and may the best candidates win um 
and uh, and that is distinct that is distinct from a fundraiser for a candidate and we are not affiliated with each other perfect absolutely great thank you and uh, you know we will we'll feature links when we post this to your campaigns uh, to your movement uh, so that uh, listeners can uh, be mm-hmm. directed directly to uh, what you stand for and we can recruit uh, Starfleet officers across the country to exactly. get involved participate and in in their own way um, ensure that um, US democracy is upheld and preserved to the highest standards. Right. And like, I just want to be really clear, you know, not all Trekkies are lefties. Right. A lot of people want to assume and like, let's be clear, Star Trek informed me, you know, as a lefty, but not everybody took the same message away from that as I did. And I don't think that that makes folks bad people. And I want, I want them to feel like they have a home with Trek the Vote too. Right. Um, that 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 is a place for for everybody who loves Star Trek and democracy to come together and work together as Starfleet united in a uh, in a common goal of ensuring that we have a fair and equitable election that is 100% on the up and up that every American can look at afterwards and say I believe that the outcome of that election whether I agreed with it or not was valid and uh, you know, was, was totally legitimate. Right. Right there. Yeah. And track the vote, engage the voters. Engage the voters. Indeed. And like, by the way, just so you know, as Trekkies, you know, none of us have had a chance to go to any cons this year. Um, We're all, you know, it's, it's, it sucks, right? Like if you weren't on that one last Star Trek cruise in March, like, you didn't get to do you know anything this year in terms of of cons so we are welcoming uniforms if you would like to wear your starfleet uniform as a poll worker as long as it is you know in good shape and you know ship shape in bristol fashion as it were um you are welcome to do so uh and you know if people ask you just say i'm dressed as a character from my favorite tv show and a bunch of the fans decided to get together and volunteer together so we're all doing in uniform um right and uh, yeah, be, you know, feel free. But we also ask that all Klingons and Romulans and Ferengi, um, you know, report to Starfleet Medical, have your appearances surgically altered to appear human because this is a pre-warp society and we really just don't want to alarm anybody. Doctor's orders. Doctor's orders. And, and you all have to wear masks. Masks, that's the other piece of this. Everyone yes. must wear a cloth covering over their nose and mouth and remain a distance of 1.83 meters from other people whenever possible. That's six feet if you still follow the imperial standards. Yes. Some people have said, just round it up to two meters, Tay. And I'm like, no, no, no. The CDC said 1.83. <laughs> uh, um, Tay, it has been fabulous uh, speaking with you about uh, Trek the Vote. Um, can you tell the audience where they might be able to find you online if they wanted to engage you further and get more information? Uh, well, you can go to trekthe.vote um, if you want uh, if you want to find out about about our our offerings and sign up and become a Starfleet officer volunteering for election integrity. Um, if you want to find me, I'm at Tay Phoenix. That's T A E P H O E N I X. Everywhere your 
personal data is being sold to advertisers. Um, and you can also find me at tayphoenix.com. Um, I think that's, you know, that's about the extent of where folks can, can catch up with me and, you know, listen to my music and, and hear my opinions on everything. <laughs> and there is, there is also an at Trek the Vote on Twitter. There is an at Trek the Vote on Twitter. There we are tr uh, Trek the Vote on Facebook. And we are at Trek the Vote on uh, Instagram. Um, and I'm, I'm dying to go check out what you do on, on uh, TikTok. I just got into TikTok. Um, I love it. It's, it's, it's such a refreshing change from doom scrolling on Twitter. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Yeah, I doom scroll on Reddit. So um, yeah, no, on on TikTok, I am at F Admiral Val. I started the Starfleeters tag a year ago, and it's basically just a Star Trek funny video with some role playing aspects to it. Oh my God, I'm so getting in on that. Hang on, <laughs> F, F Admiral Val. I'm yes. gonna search for you right now. And um, yeah, we can we can share uh, we can get in touch more detailed uh, outside this uh, this recording, but. Um, yeah, I want to thank you for being on our show today. I hope we have the opportunity to speak further as the election closes. For the audience, this is Beyond Trek Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Beyond Trek Pod, on Facebook at Beyond Trek Productions, and uh, we have a Patreon for Beyond Trek Productions as well. And you can find me personally at Trek Nexus on Twitter. And we will look forward to hearing from you, your thoughts. We hope that you uh, get involved with Trek the Vote, uh, the nonpartisan uh, group, and continue trekking out there. Thank you so much for listening, and live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. We are Beyond Trek Podcast. Lower your inhibitions and surrender your years. We will add inspirational and hilarious Trek content to your day. Your attention will adapt to subscribe to us. Resistance is futile. <laughs>